1: Besieged and beset on all sides. Either you can't get a break or your life feels like it's in utter turmoil. Maybe your marriage is a disaster or your finances are in ruin. Perhaps your business or your job is simply falling apart. Or... You're losing the battle against drugs, alcohol, depression. Well, whatever it might be, you feel like ancient Jerusalem, the city in ruin, the walls destroyed, and all seems hopeless. It did then for the Israelites, as it perhaps does now for you, until Nehemiah entered the picture. Today, I'll look at practical insights from the book of Nehemiah, a new book published called Rebuilding What the Enemy Almost Destroyed. And with me today in studio is its author, the senior pastor of Destiny Christian Fellowship and speaker on the Destined for Victory broadcast heard weekday afternoons at 3.30 p.m. here on KFAX, Pastor Paul Shepard. Pastor Paul, great to see you again.
2: Hey Craig, it's always good to see you and to
1: be here in the studio. This book, boy, um, you think about the title alone And this could describe so many sets of circumstances, not only in terms of many layers in which we see the world today politically, economically, militaristically. We see what's going on in our own nation economically, morally, spiritually, and then down to our own lives and the individual turmoil and challenges we might be facing. And yet through it all, there's a very distinct message that is communicated in the historical account of the destruction of Jerusalem and Nehemiah entering the picture with a whole fresh new approach. Why the book? Absolutely.
2: I am so glad that the Lord blessed me to preach this series a couple of years ago from the book of Nehemiah. And the more I studied, the richer it became because I'm understanding. In fact, that the older I get, and the more years I put in in pastoral ministry, the more I realize that the Bible is for today like never before. It is timely and it is necessary. So as I studied For a sermon series a couple of years ago, I realized that this is not just for history, this is for current application. One of the most important statements Paul made um, is that he said, things written aforetime are written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So when I uh, decided that this needed to become a book, and I have a writing partner, James Warning. Uh, we sat down and began to take the sermon series and make a book out of it. We both saw how important it is for today's world, no matter whether you're talking about our individual lives, our families, our governmental life, our life on the job, wherever it is, and certainly in our churches. We need to realize the enemy's job is to kill, steal, and destroy, but God is a God of restoration. That's why he raised up Nehemiah, and that's why I wrote this book, to help people practically apply its principles.
1: One of the things that strikes me about your treatment of the story of Nehemiah and the destruction of Jerusalem that is so practical and apropos to where any believer is at today, and that is drawing the distinction between looking at circumstances and challenges, whatever they might be, a city in ruin or a life in ruin with spiritual eyes versus our our natural eyes. And and so often the inclination is to say, wow, I mean, I, I am in so much trouble here, financial debt and taxes and all of that. There's just no way out. And we tend to look at things in the natural, and there's an easy way to give the enemy victory through that sense of defeatism, isn't there, when we look at it that way?
2: That's so true. And what we've got to realize is that when the Lord saved us, He saved us not just to take us to heaven, because if He wanted to do that, we'd get saved one moment and die the next. He saves us so that He can leave us in this real world with all of the fallenness around us, but He can help us not only experience restoration to do His will in the midst of the darkness in which we live, but He's going to make us restorers and people who can bring hope to those around us. Just like Nehemiah asked for a leave of absence from his job and traveled so that he could help build the city back to a place of security, God is doing that here and now in our lives, in our churches, in our ministries. Wherever we will give him the right to lead, we're finding that God
1: is an awesome restorer. Is this a challenge for believers today, maybe for the church in general, this sense that while we recognize that our hope lies in God's kingdom, that we are nevertheless in this world, but not to be of this world, and yet it's almost as if believers sort of try to have one foot in each, not understanding the distinction between being in it but not of it.
2: Yeah, we really have to become comfortable. Since we are not home yet, Christians are not home. The Bible is real clear. We are on our way home, but none of us have been there yet. And so the closest thing we can get to home is to walk in the Spirit here and now, to be led by the Spirit and to be led by the principles and teachings of the Word here and now, because in so doing, the Lord will help us experience His perfect will in an imperfect perfect set of environments, and he will help us become restorers and those that bring hope to the folks around us.
1: A lot of this sort of pivots then on the nature the caliber and quality of our relationship with the Lord, doesn't it? And when you, when you speak of the notion of, of seeing these matters through spiritual eyes and not at natural eyes, that I think would suggest that there is a need then to be in tune with the Holy Spirit, so to speak.
2: Absolutely. In the same way that Nehemiah was just sort of minding his business as the cupbearer of a king, a very prominent job I describe in the Bible. It wasn't – that's not being a butler. That was a very prominent position. That's that's
1: more than just go fetch me some coffee. Absolutely. (laughs)
2: Absolutely. He meant something to that king, and yet the Lord put such a heavy burden on him that he asked for a leave of absence. One of the chapters in the book I talk about, if you're going to go, go big, and – he asked for a leave of absence from a pagan king who, under normal circumstances, would have no inclination to allow him to go to Jerusalem, of all places, and and work. So we know it was a God thing. And in the same way, all of us who are listening today are people who are people of purpose. God has a plan for each of our lives, whether you're talking about your career your family. God has a plan for all of us, and if we will follow the Holy Spirit, he will lead us into his purpose and destiny for our lives, and he'll give us the wisdom to fulfill it.
1: So this isn't necessarily the the, the matter of, of approaching the condition of Jerusalem, and Nehemiah hears the story of what's going on there, and the city is in ruins, the walls have all been knocked down, the gates have been destroyed by fire. He hears the story of what's going on there. This is not necessarily a job that he signed up for it, but he's tremendously burdened by all of this, isn't he?
2: Yes, one of the things I've often talked about, the ABCs of discovering God's will and the B in the way I lay it out is burdens. We have to pay attention to the things that grieve us deeply, not merely compassion. We're all people of compassion if we have the Spirit of Christ in us. But beyond regular compassion, if you will, God every now and then puts a burden so deep in our hearts that we feel like I can't be fully satisfied until I do something to address this problem. And in Nehemiah's case, God put the burden of rebuilding that wall on him. In our lives, God gives us burdens about the things around us, whether it's in our family, in our neighborhood, in another community. You, you can see a story on TV, and the Lord might give you a humongous burden, and you feel like, I've got to do something to address that. I encourage people, pray about your burdens, because there's probably an element of you fulfilling God's purpose in there. And so if you'll pray about it, the Lord will lead you, and he'll bless you to
1: fulfill it. In the flesh, using natural this set of circumstances as the report came to Nehemiah probably seemed pretty hopeless on the surface. I mean, there, there wasn't much left with. Uh, when we talk about rebuilding, sometimes we would like to Infer that that means there's some sort of a resource available to us in which to rebuild. In this case, there really wasn't much. What is it, in your opinion, in in being so familiar with the story of Nehemiah, Pastor Shepherd, that that communicated to Nehemiah that there was hope that this could actually be done?
2: It came straight from the Lord because you're right. In the natural, there is no way a man who doesn't even live there anymore, he lives and serves in another kingdom altogether, but that he could come to town and make a difference, there's no natural reason to believe that at all, but we all know that with God— Things don't always make sense, but he just has a way of making it come to pass. And so Nehemiah, as you said, with no resources and no reason to believe he could be successful, just followed this burden, prayed and fasted, and the Lord gave him extraordinary favor and supernatural anointing to be able to do. In fact, what what we learn as we study his life is that he was able to accomplish in less than two months what prior generations couldn't do in decades. That's because if God gets into a project, it goes from natural to supernatural.
1: Pastor Paul Shepard with us today in studio. A look at his latest book, Rebuilding What the Enemy Almost Destroyed. The new book available, by the way, through the broadcast, Destined for Victory. And uh, you can check that out online at pastorpaul.net. That's pastorpaul.net. The broadcast, Destined for Victory, weekday afternoons at 3.30 p.m. right here on KFAX. When we come back, looking at how... Nehemiah served not one, but two kings, as our conversation with Pastor Paul Shepard continues.
0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: Welcome back to our conversation today in studio. Pleased to have with us Pastor Paul Shepard. He is, of course, Senior and Founding Pastor of Destiny Christian Fellowship in the city of Fremont. If you're new to town or visiting, like to check him out Sunday mornings. They have service times at both 830 and 11 a.m. Details available on the web at destinybayarea.org. That's destinybayarea.org. The new book. Rebuilding what the enemy almost destroyed. Practical insights from the book of Nehemiah. I'm struck, Pastor Paul, by the notion that, as you articulated in the previous segment, while Nehemiah served as a cupbearer in the court of the kingdom, it was pretty serious work. I mean, this is the guy that essentially would, uh, how should we say, take the bullet for the king if there was ever an attempt on the king's life. That's right. And yet, while he served a secular king, a pagan king, he never stopped serving the God of Israel. Boy,
2: Craig, if, if we don't come to understand today that no matter where you work, Google or Apple or whatever company, Macy's, I don't care where you work, yes, you have a secular job, and yes, God uses that to help you pay your bills, but when it really comes down to it, All of us work for the Lord. You might get your check from a company or a store or whatever the case is, but we work for the Lord. And the more we take up the responsibility to see ourselves as kingdom plants, wherever you are, you're a plant for God's kingdom, and the more you take up that work and fulfill that assignment— the more we'll have personal fulfillment. I believe that the way to experience personal fulfillment is to seek first the kingdom and His righteousness. Trust God with all the details thereafter.
1: So, it's serving God really, no matter where you've been placed or planted. Some folks, I think, get the erroneous idea that well, in order to serve God, you have to have the initials REV in front of your name, <laughs> or you have to be up in a pulpit or on a radio station, or or somehow be uniquely, distinctively in quote unquote ministry. Correct. But in fact, there are far more examples throughout Scripture of people working in the quote unquote secular environment who nevertheless serve God where they were planted.
2: Absolutely. What we need to realize is that Ephesians 4 tells us God put some offices, so to speak, in the kingdom, things like apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. But Paul said they are gifts to the church. And he said the purpose God put those people on the planet for was that we – Everyday believers might do the work of the ministry. So we need to realize your minister is only a coach, you're the one who plays the game on the court or on the field. And so the coach shouldn't get all of the attention. It is about enabling and preparing people for works of service. And the more we take up the ministry, when you go to work, you're going to to a ministry event. When you go to do something in your community or on your uh, on your school campus, if you're a student, you are going to work for the
1: King of Kings, and he is the one who's going to reward you. We were talking before the break about the challenges That came to Nehemiah's attention, learning of the destruction of Jerusalem by the Babylonians, the challenges that were faced, literally the city had been destroyed, the walls were in ruin, leaving the people of Israel also very vulnerable. Very much so. And Nehemiah gets word of all of this. And suddenly he's got a plan in place, and he goes to the king and says, um, I need to take a little uh, leave of absence here because <laughs> <laughs> <Yep. laughs> God is calling me to do another work. And as you were mentioning, this would seem in the natural through through the flesh to be absolutely impossible, insurmountable. It, it, it just, why even bother sort of scenario? And yet Nehemiah pressed on. And one of the distinctions that you call out inside the book, Rebuilding What the Enemy Almost Destroyed, is the distinction of the empowerment that Nehemiah had because he was anointed. Yes. That seems for a lot of believers in the pews to be kind of a highfalutin word. That's right. Uh, Break it down and help us understand. When we talk about God's anointing, what exactly is that, and to whom does he distribute that anointing? I
2: believe – Uh, The anointing is best understood this way. The anointing is God's presence and power sent to accomplish a specific purpose. So when we are anointed, we're simply saying, Lord, you're here. I'm believing you to empower me so that I can do what you want me to do in this particular setting or environment. That's the anointing, nothing more, nothing less. It doesn't make you spooky, it doesn't make you weird. It only makes you efficient and able to accomplish whatever God wants you to do in any particular environment.
1: So many believers have that that definition so backwards, a lot of churches today, the anointing means if if they say, for example, after church on Sunday, boy pastor was really anointed, that means that he got through the sermon in less than an hour. <laughs> <laughs> But the anointing, then, as you're suggesting, is something that's not held exclusively for some sort of uniquely spiritual work, preaching God's Word, evangelizing. But in fact, God can bring in places anointing upon us no matter where we're at. It really is about the matter of the attitude of our heart and our, our ability to be available and to rely on Him, then.
2: It is. That's the key to it. If we will just wake up every day and say, Lord... Go with me as I go to work, as I go to school, as I drive these freeways and and streets, as I interact with people. You can be anointed to smile. You can be anointed to give someone a word of encouragement. The Lord can anoint you to walk up to someone you don't even know and and just say something to them. You don't know what it will mean to them, but when you just obey the prompting you have, in some cases, you'll see them break out into tears and they say, oh, my goodness, how did you know what I was going through? I've seen that happen. I've experienced it myself. And we need to believe God that every day in any circumstance, he will anoint you to fulfill his purpose.
1: One of the points that you make in the book I think is an important one that perhaps Christians don't really fully have a, an entire grasp on sometimes. we run into circumstances where we're facing challenges maybe in our marriage relationship or with the kids or at work or with our finances, whatever it might be, and, and we look at it and say, well, the enemy's just fighting us. <laughs> and, and, and that may very well be true, but there's also a dynamic here at play that, that I want to have you spend some time helping us better understand, and that is God, as he did in the case of Israel, um, was very clear about his blessing. He basically said, if you obey me, I will bless you greatly, but if you disobey me, I'm going to scatter you to the ends of the earth. There is a blessing that God is offering, but it's a conditional one.
2: It is, and we have to learn that with obedience comes the best path to all of the blessings God wants to place in our lives. But as was the case with Israel, sometimes it is the case with us as present day followers of Christ, which is we will get into areas of disobedience, Uh, I certainly know what that's like, and so do uh, many of those listening to us today. We cannot testify that we've always been correct, always done the right thing. In fact, the truth be told, some of us have made our biggest blunders after accepting Christ, after being involved in kingdom living, and while that is true— Here's the good news and one of the incentives for writing this book. When you have had destruction take place, and when I talk about the enemy, I always think of the enemy as threefold, not onefold. A lot of people think enemy means Satan. But the truth of the matter is the Bible shows us that we have three enemies we all face. The world, which its system is against the kingdom of God. The flesh, which I call the enemy in a me. And then the devil. And so when you think about the world, the flesh and the devil and how sometimes they've impacted us to the point where we have gotten way out of God's will, God says, I'm not finished with you, just like he wasn't finished with Israel. God is not finished with us when we fail. I know what it is to fail. I know what it is to repent. I know what it is to be chastened by God. But I have found God to be an incredible restorer. God is the best recycler in the universe. He knows how to take us no matter where we are and rebuild us and restore us and make us effective in doing his will.
1: Today, a look at Rebuilding What the Enemy Almost Destroyed, a new book written by Pastor Paul Shepard. Information, by the way, about the book and Pastor Paul's ministry by going to pastorpaul.net. That's pastorpaul.net. You can also order the book online through that website.
2: Absolutely. Right. And for those that like to do electronic reading, just go to Amazon or any of those
1: places on the web, and you can download it to your e-readers. Excellent. All right. We'll take a brief timeout. We'll come back to more of our conversation, more of our look at Rebuilding What the Enemy Almost Destroyed, Practical Insights from the Book of Nehemiah by Pastor Paul Shepard. Back with more right after this. And now
0: back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: And we are back. Pastor Paul Shepard with us today in studio. We invite you to check out his broadcast, Destined for Victory. The program comes your way each Monday through Friday at 3.30 p.m. right here on KFAX. We're talking about Pastor Paul's new book, Rebuilding What the Enemy Almost Destroyed. Practical insights from the book of Nehemiah. I was struck you were mentioning about sort of that, that trifecta of yes. challenges that we face between the world, the flesh, and the devil. Can all three come under the category of idol worship? We hear idol worship in the context of certainly Old Testament. We think of, uh, you know, golden calves that have been <laughs> fashioned and so forth and so on. Right. But idol worship can really be almost anything, can't it?
2: That's true. Anything that rivals the attention and the affection the Lord alone should get from us is a potential idol. And of course, that's what our enemies do. Both the world, the flesh, and certainly the devil all want to compete for the throne of our hearts. So all of us need to realize, I have a throne. It's up to me who sits on it. The flesh is most comfortable when it is sitting on the throne. That's your carnal nature, your Adamic self, you without being led by the Lord and that certainly wants to sit on the throne. The world, we can see in today's world, we, we who are people of morals and ethics, you can see now how greatly challenged those things that many of us grew up just knowing it was right, the moral consensus many of us grew up with is no longer a consensus. It's a moral debate. It is a moral divide. In fact, we are now ridiculed for believing what 30, 40, 50 years ago was taken for granted in American life. All of those things, that new philosophy is competing. And certainly the devil from the very beginning has wanted to usurp the authority of God. So all of us have to be aware the enemy wants to sit on the throne. It's up to us to make sure Jesus remains on the
1: throne. And perhaps while yet uh, society is uh, debating and changing its mind and the way it views uh, matters concerning uh, morality and... and, uh flesh and so forth. The reality is God hasn't changed his opinion on any of this.
2: And he does not plan to make any changes. His truth prevails no matter what. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the Lord's truth remains forever. When we
1: talk about approaching God to come in and in the desire of seeing God's restorative and redemptive grace take place in our life, for whatever the circumstances and situation might be. As you noted, Nehemiah first understood if this was going to get done, God was going to be the one that was going to do it. It could not be done in a vacuum, meaning that he needed God's anointing But he didn't just say, okay, let's get a team together and run down to Home Depot and buy a bunch of two-by-fours and head down there and start rebuilding the wall. He stopped before taking one step forward, and he prayed. And, you know, in school, we grew up with the three R's. In the book, Rebuilding What the Enemy Almost Destroyed, you talk about Nehemiah's four R's. Walk us through those.
2: Well, it was important that when Nehemiah realized that he needed God to help him fulfill what was going on in his heart, he first started out recognizing who God is. The first R I talk about in the book is recognizing God. Because without recognizing the divine, sometimes a big problem, problem here on earth can completely overwhelm us. So he recognized God, and then he repented of any sin, any shortcoming. On behalf of Israel, he said, "We have blown it, Lord, and so I repent." And on behalf of your people, we recognize we did not do what you wanted us to do. And then he went into a, what I call reminders. So he went from recognition to repentance to reminding God of His promises. That doesn't mean we think God forgot. Sometimes when we pray, I think it would be good for us when we pray to take some of the promises of Scripture and say, Lord. Lord, here's what you said to us, and I'm just willing to believe that this applies to this circumstances and to my life now. Then he went into the request, asking God to give him success
1: in his endeavor. And I think that's an important distinction. You know, sometimes uh, folks that promote, uh, you know, a positive thinking and so forth will will engage in self-talk. Uh, I can do it. I can make it. I can do it. I can make it happen, all of this. And yet what you're suggesting here is no Nehemiah didn't get into self-talk, trying to kind of... uh hype himself up like uh, you might before the big game in right. the locker room, but but rather to say, God, here are your promises. As much as he is reciting those back to God, yes. he's also speaking God's word in his own hearing.
2: That's right. That's right. And I think that's what the Bible means. The Old Testament often talks about meditating on the word. For instance, the Lord told Joshua, meditate in it day and night. I think you're right, Craig. What we are called to do is to not only remind God of what he, he said and what he promised. But in so doing, we're rehearsing over and over who our God is, because as big as our problems are, our God is so much bigger. And if we rehearse those and meditate on them, then when we go to make our requests,
1: we know that God is able to fulfill them. Isn't it interesting to know that the flow here, that so many of the principles that were even employed by Nehemiah in going about the rebuilding of the walls were principles that along the way had slipped by the wayside. Yes. Uh, The idol worship, uh, the lack of proper recognition of God, the lack of recognizing not only who he is, but our ability to to repent, to go before the Lord and say, God, I blew it. So much of what we use as tools, so to speak, to rebuild are the very things that if those had remained in place all along, we might not have
2: been in this shape in the first place. In the first place. And that's what we all have to realize. When I've made my greatest mistakes, it's because somewhere along the line, I stepped away from the things the Lord wanted me to stay focused on. Back again to Joshua, the Lord said, Stay Look at what I tell you to do. Don't turn from it, he said, to the left or to the right. And in today's world, just like in his day, it's easy to be distracted. And when we get distracted, we can get off course. But our God is the ultimate GPS, and he knows how to get us from where – when I'm preaching about that, I say the thing I love about GPS is even when I haven't been paying attention to the directions, been playing my music too loud or having too much of of an argument in the car or whatever's going on. Going on. If I get off course, the GPS doesn't fuss at me. The GPS just says recalculating, redirecting, whatever term they use, and it means if you're ready to listen, I can get you from here to where you're supposed to
1: be, and that's the way God works with it, us. It's an interesting parallel to the Holy Spirit, who sometimes will just kind of gently nudge us, <laughs> gently right. nudge us. We may continue to choose to ignore. What the Spirit is saying, but yet God comes along and just continues to lovingly gently nudge us, trying to move us into the right direction
2: yes, He does, and if we will learn that God is the is the one who began the good work in us, and he is also the one who promised. To fulfill it, so if we get go astray temporarily, you can do that you mentioned earlier uh, about our finances. You can need God to redirect you in in money matters, many of us have made financial mistakes and um, are where we should not be, financially speaking. But if you trust God with your finances or any other area of your life, he's able to get you from where you are to where you need to be. But it begins with repenting, recognizing, repenting, and then reminding God, you said you weren't going to give up on me, and then make your request. Help me to discipline myself in my finances or in my family life, in my marriage, whatever it is, and we'll see God work
1: in our lives. We're in studio today with Pastor Paul Shepard, his new book, Rebuilding What the Enemy Almost Destroyed, Practical Insights from the Book of Nehemiah. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of our conversation, some closing thoughts from Pastor Paul. Meanwhile, if you want to get more information, the book, again, is available online. You can simply Go to the usual suspects, amazon.com, or you can order it directly through the Destiny broadcast website, pastorpaul.net. That's pastorpaul.net. Destined for victory, heard weekday afternoons at 3 30 p.m. right here on KFAX. That brief timeout, then back with more, some closing thoughts with Pastor Paul Shepard as this edition of Lifeline continues. And now back to
0: Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: Welcome back. We're into the home stretch in our visit today with Pastor Paul Shepard. His latest book, Rebuilding What the Enemy Almost Destroyed, Practical Insights from the Book of Nehemiah. The book, again, available through Amazon.com. You can also order it online through the Destined for Victory broadcast website. That's simply PastorPaul.net. That's PastorPaul.net. One of the things that you point out in the book, and I think that this is not only uh um, problematic as to what gets us in trouble, but it's also something that we need to be mindful as we're attempting to kind of get back out of trouble and that is the word authenticity um, You take note that oftentimes there are a lot of folks in Christianity as our relationship with the Lord sometimes sort of ebbs and flows that our our Christianity is either a way in which we deal with our stuff or for a lot of folks. It's the way in which we hide from our stuff, or we hide ourselves behind our Christianity. Put on a happy face, everything's great at church, That's Sunday right. morning at 11 o'clock, and we think we've got everybody fooled. And we might have a lot of the folks fooled, but the one that we don't have fooled is the Lord himself.
2: I, I really am working hard to help people understand, um, t- to use the – colloquial expression, there's no future in frontin. There's no point in putting on airs because what we need to be about is getting in touch with who we are, where we are in our lives, and letting God take us from where we are to where we ought to be. So I talk, as you say, about authenticity, the importance of being honest with yourself and honest with the Lord. And so whatever you're feeling, whatever you're experiencing, whatever you're going through, don't hide behind uh, nice, cute sayings or anything like that. Find some people, especially in your life, in your church, in your circle of fellowship with other believers, find people who can love the truth and still walk with you as you go from where you are to where you ought to be. And if we will be authentic people and build authentic relationships, we will see that our authentic God is going to bring us through and bring us out of everything we have to deal with.
1: We're sometimes perhaps fearful. We don't want to wrestle with God. (laughs) Uh, It's not just a uniquely Job experience. I think all of us have had moments in life when we've got into that kind of conflict and we literally feel like we're in a wrestling match with the Lord, and yet God can handle it.
2: Yes, he can.
1: And, you know, I'm reminded, as you pointed out, regarding the, the four R's that Nehemiah practiced, that, that one of them is repenting of sin. Yes, And a big part of that authenticity is to be able to say to God, I blew it. I maybe am in this mess because I put myself there. Absolutely. The scripture is very clear. If we will
2: confess then the Lord is faithful and just to forgive and to do the work of restoration. But it requires the confession. That's one of the things that's hard to get some people to do just like Adam and Eve hid from God when they should have come clean and said man we really messed up please forgive us they hid they they covered themselves and God says in his word if you cover your sins you won't prosper but if you repent confess
1: forsake them he will bless you what's the big takeaway as you have studied the life of Nehemiah and the challenges that he faced in the call to help rebuild the walls for people that are saying, okay, I'm, I'm beginning to really grasp this, but at the end of the day, the big takeaway here, the big lesson of the life of Nehemiah that we can apply to ourselves here and now is what? I want people to understand that the word almost is a
2: word that we ought to take as a message of hope. The enemy tried his best to destroy Jerusalem, which housed, of course, the people of God. And when they got back from exile, they found they did not have a, a safe and secure place to live. But almost destroyed is different from definitely destroyed. God is a God who takes our almost and turns them around so that we can see success even after almost failing. And I want to encourage every listener to to know wherever you are in your life, the almost is not going to be the end of you. That will not be the final statement of the story of your life. Give it to God. He'll take you to the places you've never seen or known before.
1: And clearly, Nehemiah saw that. I mean, mean, because as he got the report of what had happened to Jerusalem it wasn't well the whole thing is destroyed the walls are all down the city is in ruin so you know let's just forget about it here it would just not uh, not worry about it no he he saw that he saw that potential he saw that while it might have been destroyed almost it wasn't completely and utterly so there's that sense of glimmer of hope isn't there
2: absolutely and we are called to be people of hope we have a good message to share we're in the gospel business not the bad news not the destroyed business We're in the business of saying, yeah, it was almost destroyed, but God, and God is able to give us victory out of the almost disaster. And
1: I guess for the believer today, if you've gone through the challenges at work, in the family, with your marriage, in your finances, with your health, whatever it might be, if you're listening to this conversation, you're still here. You might have almost been destroyed. That's right. But you are still here and there is therefore still hope provided that you take the nehemiah approach to how to go about rebuilding what the enemy almost destroyed in your life in my
2: church i recently preached a message entitled get your hopes up i grew up where there were times when parents or teachers were going to take us on a special trip Um, but maybe they got a bad forecast for the weather and they say, oh, don't, don't get your hopes up. We might not be able to do it. My word to you today is no, get your hopes up. Believe God that no matter how disastrous it is,
1: he is able to bring you into a better place. And I think at the end of the day, remembering that God is in the business of being restorative and redemptive that is the perhaps the one area that we can hang our hope on. Yes, sir.
2: Absolutely. God is a restorer, and he'll do it in your life and mine.
1: The book is called Rebuilding What the Enemy, almost destroyed. (laughs) Practical insights from the book of Nehemiah, newly published and available through the website pastorpaul.net. That's pastorpaul.net. The broadcast Destined for Victory, weekday afternoons at 3.30 p.m. right here on KFAX. And of course, Destiny Christian Fellowship, Service times at 830 and 11 a.m., located in Fremont. You can get details on the web at destinybayarea.org. Lots of exciting things going on at the church, Pastor Paul.
2: Yes, sir. And not only that, I've recently taken on an additional responsibility to help pastor a church clear across the country in Detroit, Michigan, while remaining the senior pastor of Destiny here in the Bay Area. So if if you don't have enough to pray about, keep me on your prayer list because I need the Lord's strength. But I know... If he gave me this charge, he'll help me fulfill
1: it, and I'll help both churches fulfill his plan for them. We'll be praying for you. We appreciate the time today and the insights. Pastor Paul Shepard, host of Destined for Victory and senior pastor at Destiny Christian Fellowship. Details again on the web, pastorpaul.net. The book, Rebuilding What the Enemy Almost Destroyed. Practical insights from the book of Nehemiah.